So good to be back. <laughs> Come on, let's give Jesus praise, everybody. You guys are too kind. It's just good to be home. Oh, you can grab your seats. Thank you for that welcome, warm reception at Fellowship Church. I'll just tell you, there's no place like home. And we have stacked you pretty well the last month with incredible speakers. Let's clap our hands for all those speakers that came through. Not just speakers, but friends. They're friends of this house, friends that love this church and love our city and what God's doing here. And my wife and I, my four daughters, have been on vacation, and uh, it has been glorious. We've been at the little beach a little bit and uh, did a little hangout in the desert in Palm Springs where my grandpa lives. He's 92, and it's 120 degrees. Why is God so angry with Palm Springs? I don't know. That's hot. Any, now, it was hot here, too, right? At 105, 105 or so. Anything over 105 is just, it's just 100 and ridiculous to me. It doesn't make any difference what it is after that. But, man, I'm so glad to be home. So grateful for the church. I've been waiting and waiting, like looking at my clock, like, is it time? I didn't even need an alarm clock this morning. I woke up at 540 just because. Like Christmas, I get to go back to church. But I'm so glad to see family again, and, and uh, yeah, I just love you guys. Can we clap our hands for the dream team who held it down while we were gone? I always think that the true test of leadership is when, when the leader is gone. Like, if, if stuff falls apart when he's gone, he's not a good leader. But you guys have been such incredible leaders, even through the summer months, uh, summer month of June, you, the Dream Team served so selflessly and sacrificially and have done so much. So many people gave their life to Jesus over the last month, and uh, your pastors weren't even here. So thank God. It's not about a person. It's about Jesus Christ, and we are all the church of God. Amen, somebody? Love it, love it, love it. Well, today we're starting a brand new series, and I want you to get your notes out. Matter of fact, I think I need some notes. And... Um, Today, I want you to, to lean in over the next few weeks. We're going to start a brand new series going through really a theme verse in James. And to give you a little context, James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And he, listen, he believed Jesus was God. Okay, let me ask you a question. How hard would it be to convince your siblings that you're God? Like, they know you. You might be able to fool a few people, but they know, they know what your room looks like. James would go on to not only believe he was God, but to give his life. He was murdered because of his message of Jesus. Like, they, they said, renounce Jesus or die. Took him up to, to a building, and he said, Jesus is Lord, and they threw his body down and beat him to death with clubs. Why would somebody do that? Because after you know who he is, he was like, it doesn't matter what y'all do to me. I have seen the risen Savior. So grateful that we have passages of Scripture written not just by one man or one woman, but by guys like this, who we look at and say, man, if he thought Jesus was Lord and he knew him best, what a great a credit to the character and the deity of Christ. He writes... In James chapter 1, verse 2, 
to a bunch of Jews who are scattered abroad, and they're hiding out because of the harsh persecution for their faith. And they're waiting for a letter from James. And finally a letter comes, and you can imagine as the excitement begins to build in the little tribe, and they all come out and say, guys, James just wrote a letter. He's going to tell us that the persecution has stopped. He's going to tell us that we can come back to Jerusalem. He's going to tell us that everything is okay. Hurry up and read it out loud. And this is what he reads. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I can imagine being in that crowd saying, excuse me? What, what do you mean count this as joy? What you have to understand is that joy is not just a feeling. I haven't preached in a month. You're going to have to respond a little bit better than this. <laughs> joy is not just a feeling. Joy is, feelings are fickle. Feelings can be up and feelings can be down. Joy is not just happiness, because happiness comes and happiness goes. But joy is consistent. Joy stays. Happiness can come and happiness can go, but you don't want joy to go, because Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, there's a lot of joyless believers walking around because they lost their joy, because they confused joy with happiness and happenings. And when things go badly in their life or they hit a difficult season, they lose their joy and it zaps their strength. He didn't say if you have trials. He said when. Count it all joy when you have all types of fiery trials. Why? Because there's a benefit. I wish I had time to preach about benefits. People do some crazy things for benefits. I mean, they will drink vegetable juice. They'll juice a bunch of vegetables because they see the benefit of what it does to their health and their body. Can I have a cucumber, celery, Brussels sprout, barf juice, please? Not because it tastes good. It doesn't. Tastes like turtle spit. But the reason they do it is because they see the benefit. People eat salads instead of a chocolate molten lava cake because they see the benefit. People exercise instead of sitting on the couch with a bowl of Doritos, not because they like manual labor, but because they see the benefit of this. When you see the benefit of something, it's not so bad in the process because you know what it's going to produce in your life. He says, count it all joy. And over the next few weeks, I'm not going to tell you that when you follow Jesus, everything in your life goes smoothly and all the tests will stop. But I am going to try to help you maybe see something you haven't seen before. And that is that Jesus Christ has a benefit even through the test. Look at verse 3. He says, because you know, meaning you ought to know, that the testing of your faith produces something. It's producing what? Perseverance. One translation says patience. It's producing longevity. It's producing the ability to continue. 
This test is producing something that cannot be achieved any other way. It's producing perseverance. Verse 4 tells us, let perseverance finish its work. I wonder how many, I wonder how many people don't have a finished work of God in their life because they have fought the test. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How many want to be mature? Amen. Come on, raise your hand if you want to be mature in God. How many want to be complete? Amen. Anybody want to be in a place where you're not lacking anything? It doesn't come any other way. Now, I'm going to need you to help me convey my sermon title to the person sitting around you. I'm going to need you to look at him. Look at him right in the, square in the eye. Come on, look at him square in the eye. And if you can raise an eyebrow, raise one eyebrow to look a little crazy. And say out loud, say this, say this, say this. Don't test me. Don't test me. No, I don't think everybody got it. Turn and find somebody you didn't talk to you might have to turn around, look at them square in the eye, and look at them and say, don't test me. Don't test me. You see, this is our normal response to people. We say, don't you test me. You, you better not test me. And the problem is we've carried that same mentality over to God. But if you could see the benefit you would gladly welcome the test because of what it would produce in your life. Oh, I'm excited about this series. Can you tell? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that you are in control. Nobody has kicked you off of your throne. You are God all by yourself. And Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you. And even though we don't understand what we're going through, we trust you and we ask you to speak to every heart, every life, and change our life because we want to be mature and complete and lacking nothing. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. If you believe it, let me hear a good amen. amen. Let me ask you a question. Can you remember a time when in school you were unprepared for a test? Some of you are like, that was every test. <laughs> Did anybody ever try to make excuses about taking a test and like you try to get out of taking a test? You, do you know what the feeling felt like? Can you recall sitting down at your desk and as you're sitting down at your desk, you turn the test paper over and your eyes get really big as you begin to read all the questions and it dawns on you, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like I'm going to fail this test. Matter of fact, I don't think I'm going to be first to finish this today. I'm not going to be number one in anything. Even my teacher gave me a number two pencil because she knew <laughs> I wasn't finishing first. How many know what this is on the screen? Scantron. Scantrons were the answer sheet for the test. Had these bubbles in the test. And when you'd read a question... You'd fill in the bubbles. Now, I wonder, is there anybody that sat next to, like, a smart kid that was filling out the bubbles like he's stabbing ants on his tests? <laughs> filling it out like he wrote the darn thing. Come on, let's clap our hands for all the smart kids. All right, that's enough. 
Smart kids messing up the curve. Can't y'all stay home sometimes? But how many thank God for multiple choice? Where at least you had a fighting chance. You'd read, you'd read question one and then read it again slower. And then you realize, I don't know the answer. And you thank God, didn't you, when you read A. And you read A and you're like, man, that sounds good. Until you read B. I think it might be B too. And then C comes along. And you're thinking to yourself, I, I really think it might be C. How many filled out D, multi, all the above, way too often? Oh, and then there's nothing like the, the dread of having the teacher say those horrible words, right? Time is up. Put your pencils down. Just, I felt like, I felt like that feeling that comes across the chefs on Chopped when they didn't get to plate their food. Or they missed the main ingredient. They have to stand back. Their hands are up. I hated it because the teacher would say, like, one minute left, and I'd, I'd be looking at all the tests, like, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. I don't know what to do. And so I just start guessing, abacadabra, all the way down, A, B, A, B. Just hope for the best. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's a horrible feeling to not be prepared for a test. Well, let me ask you a question, not with tests in schools, but tests in life. How does that make you feel? Matter of fact, there's several words that come to mind. Here's a few. Write this down. There's anxiety that floods your soul. Anxiety where there's worry and there's stress and there's an unsettledness about what you're going through and you begin to really feel uneasy. Worry. So many people's lives are dominated by anxiety. And then, write this down, we begin to feel unqualified. You feel unqualified, like I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be here. There's no way that I could ever pass this. And you feel less than because you're comparing yourself to other people. Everybody else is finishing the test before you, and you're still writing your name. <laughs> then you feel, write this down, confused. Confused. Confusion is horrible because you feel in your mind, I don't know the answer. The questions are right in front of me. The test is right in front of me. But I don't know what to do. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody who's ever been confused in a test before. That you didn't know the right way to turn. You didn't know the right way to respond. You didn't know the right thing to do. And the test is in front of you. Everybody else seems to be passing it with flying colors. But not you. You're stuck at the desk of life wondering what is the answer to this question question. And not only that, we're in a test. This is a big one. Write this down. You're tempted to compromise and cheat. When you don't know the answer to a test, you're going through a difficult season. Many times you feel tempted to, to compromise and cheat. Okay, raise your hand if you've ever cheated on a test before. Raise your hand. I cheated on every test in all of ninth and 10th grade together. And still got bad grades. <laughs> Must have been cheating off the dumb kids in class. You know what it's like? You try to figure out different ways to cheat, like you're writing the answers on your hands, but it smears because your hands are all sweaty because you're nervous. 
You walk in. You, how many have ever done this? You wrote the answers on your tennis shoes. Walked in to class like this so you don't smudge the shoe. Or you try to turn around and look at the, the answers of the person next to you while the teacher was not paying attention, and they wouldn't let you cheat because they have a stronger conscience than you do. I'm convinced that if you spent half the time studying as you do cheating, you'd be a genius by now. But we do all of this because we are convinced that we can pass the test some other way. And then we get so desperate that we are willing to compromise our integrity so that we could just move ahead. All the while, we are missing the point because we are not learning at this level what we are meant to learn at this level, which leaves us unprepared for the next level. You see, there's a city in the Bay Area. A few years ago, they were graduating people from high school that couldn't read. So they were graduating high school, but they were unprepared for college. Why is it that we are asking God and praying, take us to the next level when we refuse to learn what he's trying to teach us at this level? We feel like if we can bypass a few things and a few tests, we'll still be able to get to where God wants us to go. And we are missing the point because how can we expect promotion if we reject God's curriculum? (laughs) We all want to go to the next level. How do we expect advancement and promotion if we are rejecting the very thing, the curriculum that God brought into your life to teach you and to prepare you for the next level. Listen to me, listen to me. Everybody does not make it to their destiny. Think about that for a second. Everybody doesn't make it to their destiny. As a matter of fact, because of worry, some people drop out. Other people get distracted and they fail. But others didn't see the benefit and so they didn't place any value on what they were learning. It becomes a place where people are not able to make it to their destiny. It's funny because I cheated for ninth and 10th grade, still got bad grades. And then in 11th grade, I just started doing my homework. And I got straight A's from then on out. Here's what I found. The smaller tests prepared me for the larger ones. I thought to myself, how come nobody told me to do my homework before this? This is easy. The smaller tests were given to prepare you for the larger ones that were coming. Tests are coming. Are you prepared for them is the question. Have you ever had a teacher that, man, in in high school, that when somebody failed, it was almost like the teacher was happy? Like they they just were bitter. They were a bitter teacher, and they were almost happy when you failed. But how many had a teacher that would almost bend over backwards for you? that just love to see people pass. They took joy in you actually learning something. I'm telling you, at our church, Fellowship Church, we are not happy when you fail. We're not hoping that you fail. Us as a staff and a dream team and a small group, we are hoping and praying and willing to serve you because we want to see you grow. We want to see you pass. We want to see you succeed. Come on, is there anybody that's grateful for a church like that? We want to help you so you don't get worried and drop out. We want to help you so you don't get so frustrated and so distracted that you fail. I'm trying to get you to see the benefit in the test so you can value what you're learning in the process. That's what this this message is all about. Because tests help lead you into a new season. You can't 
You can't graduate from eighth grade if you failed the tests in eighth grade. You can't go to ninth grade without passing the test. Tests actually assist you. They help you move to the next area of life. It's graduation, it's promotion, it's advancement. But many times, like New Year's resolutions, we just kind of feel like change and, and, and maturity just happens simply because we think it would be a nice thing to happen. Without any forethought or any plan or any process to develop the character necessary for the next level in our life. There was a time when my daughters asked me, Dad, why do we have to learn this? Do you use fractions? How many ever had a kid ask you a question you didn't want to answer? They're mad at the curriculum, mad at what they had to learn. Do you use fractions? And I had to think about it. And I thought to myself, only when I'm slicing pie because I want a 90 degree <laughs> piece. <laughs> they said, Dad, do you use fractions? And I had to tell them, not really. And you know the follow-up question. follow-up question was this then why do we have to learn it? I had the best answer in the world. You ready for this? Right, this is what I said. This is what I said. Why do we have to learn this? I said, to get to the next level. Yeah. Hashtag, boom. Parents, you're welcome. Everything you learn in life is not something that you're always going to use for the rest of your life, but you have to learn it because you have to pass this test in order to go to the next level. Many of you have been stuck in ninth grade for centuries, and I'm praying that God would allow us to see the benefit in the test so we can pass and move on. Come on, how many are ready to move on? We don't feel stuck anymore. We can move on. You don't need to spend your life trying to get out of a test. You need to realize that you're trying to learn something. There's something for you to learn so that you can advance. Psalm 105 verse 18 says this. Talking about Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph went through 13 years of hell on earth, man. It was rough. And he was, God was setting him up because he was going to be the second in command of the most powerful nation of the world at that time, Egypt. And he would save thousands of people's lives. Psalm 105 Verse 18 says, they hurt his feet with fetters and they laid him in irons, meaning his brothers sold him into slavery. Then he was falsely accused, thrown in jail, forgotten, betrayed, all of this 13 years. Watch this. Until the time that his word came to pass, meaning the prophetic word. The word of the Lord tested him. He was 17 years old when he got the dream. Let me ask you a question. Was he prepared to lead a nation at 17? How many 17-year-olds do you know that's ready to lead a nation? So God had to prepare him to get him ready to lead a nation. Until the, his word came to pass, meaning the prophetic word of God that he was going to stand and his brothers would bow down before. Until that came to pass, there had to be a moment where God was going to test him to get him ready and prepared. It's funny because every great man and woman of God knows what it's like to go into a testing and preparation season. Joseph, Joseph had 13 years of preparation. 13 years, ladies and gentlemen. Moses was in the desert when God called him. Esther had a threat of Haman. The three Hebrew boys had a fiery furnace. Daniel had a lion's den. 
Noah had an ark. David had Saul trying to kill him and a giant named Goliath. Paul was even called by God and then went three years into the wilderness to get prepared to be the greatest missionary this world has ever known. And then even Jesus Christ himself spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness as the devil blasted him with temptation. Here's the point. If God's best people who were used to do the biggest things had to go through preparation mode, what makes you think you get to skip out on the very thing that's preparing you for greatness? Let it work inside of you. God is perfecting you. God is maturing you. He's getting you ready for something you can't handle right now. But if you stay faithful to the call, stay faithful to the test, God is going to work inside of you something that will blow your mind away. Somebody say, thank God for the test. He wants to prepare you. He's not angry. He's not trying to get, get back at you. He's trying to get you ready. And many times kids will cry at their homework. And they'll cry, it's just too much homework. It's just too much. If some of the teacher doesn't understand. Do you want to go to college? Do you want to be prepared? Do you want to know how to read? Then you're going to have to be able to submit yourself under the tutelage of somebody else's test and be willing to be made uncomfortable for a season so that you can walk across that graduation stage with confidence knowing I did that. Oh, I don't know if everybody's hearing me today. I know some of you are like, well, Sean, that sounds nice, but you don't know what I'm going through. I know I don't know what you're going through, but God knows what you're going through. And he doesn't cause all things, but he's able to cause all things to work together for good. Because I know that's a question that comes up when any, anybody takes, brings up tests. Like, why did God cause that? He didn't cause it, but he can work good out of that. Yeah. He's, not, he's not an angry father. He's a good heavenly father. And he loves you with an undying love. And we have something in college that says this. It's a saying. It says, C's get degrees. Anybody ever heard that? Here's what it means. Just get by. Like, don't put a whole lot of effort in, because all you need is a C to get your degree. And it sounds good, but here's the problem. It's just about the degree and not the journey. It's just about you passing and getting the degree, but not really learning any life lessons. And some people get to the place where they skim and they cram. Any crammers in the house? Wait till the last second to just try to get all the information, but you didn't learn anything. You just, you just retained the information long enough to regurgitate it, but you didn't learn anything for the journey. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, every great man and woman of God has to go through a testing season. Many times we're missing the point. And in college, that might be okay to just get C's, to get degrees, but it's a horrible plan when you come to follow God. He's taking you on a journey, ladies and gentlemen. He's preparing you. He's developing you. He's maturing you. He's equipping you, and he wants to perfect you. Many of us are begging, God, I want you to develop fruit in my life, but we are forgetting fruit does not grow on the mountaintop. It grows in the valley. We want fruit with no valley. We want maturity with no test. 
We want to be complete without God chiseling away anything inside of our life. And we keep fighting the process, delaying the development, and then we wonder why we keep circling around the same mountain over and over and over again. And the same issues keep rising up. In every relationship, it's the same issue. In every job, in every school, and in every church. Could it be that they just might not be the problem? But the common denominator could be us. And what God wants to do inside of us is perfect us, mature us, so we don't have to take that test again. Here's a crazy thought. In high school, if you don't pass the level, they let you repeat it all over again. Here's what I found with God. If you don't pass, God is so gracious He's going to let you take the same level over and over and over again until you learn it and pass it. Some of you are like, it feels like I've been in the ninth grade for 17 years. I'm praying that this year be different. Come on, does anybody believe that? I'm praying that this year be different, that you pass the test, that you move on to everything that God's called you to move on into. Let me give you a few points. Number one, don't miss the point. Don't miss the point of the test. Don't miss the reason for why God is trying to mature you. James 1 again says it this way, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face all types of trials, of many kinds, because you know, you know, and that's what this message, part one of this series is really about. We're going to unpack this over the next few weeks. I'd encourage you, don't miss a week and bring your friends who you think need this but you need to know, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing perseverance. You, you need perseverance. Here's a couple questions I ask God whenever I go through a test. You might want to write this down. Number one, I ask God, what are you trying to teach me? Like, instead of just getting angry, ask yourself, what is the lesson I'm supposed to be learning in here? And then here's the second question. Here's the second one. This is important. God, can you help me learn it fast? I want to learn it quickly, Lord. I want, to hurt. I want to pass this. I don't want to be going around the same mountain for 20 years, 40 years. Help me to learn this quickly. Yes. Tests, listen, oh, tests will come. Many times the duration is up to you. Somebody write that down because I just, that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> the tests are going to come. How long you stay there, that's up to you. How quickly can you learn the test? Don't you hate those people that skipped a grade? You had, to, you had to go, some of you had to go backwards. Some of you had to go the regular course. But there are those, the elect, that, that learn the curriculum so fast that they are able to skip entire Great. What if we as a church begin to welcome the tests so, so well that we begin to say, God, I don't want to just be lazy and hang out. What are you doing in class today? Did you bring your books? No, nah, I forgot. Let's skip class. And then you get all frustrated. They held me back. Well, you didn't even show up to class. Yeah. And we look at those other people like, nerds. Yeah, you're going to be working for a nerd one day.
Let me move on. <laughs> Write this down. The greater attacks bring greater character when I pass the test. Greater, greater tests, greater attacks, they bring greater character when we pass the test. In other words, it doesn't automatically bring character. It's when you pass it that it brings maturity. It brings completion. That's what we're working for. Lord, help me to pass this test. James 1.4 says this. It says that let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Write this down. Some of you need to know this. That God is preparing me for something I cannot see right now. I said He's preparing you for something you can't see right now. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, There's no eye that has seen, there's no ear that has heard. As a matter of fact, it hasn't even entered into the hearts of men the things that God wants to do, wants to do, and wants to do inside of you because you love Him. You're called according to His purpose. You're not where you should be. I'm not where I should be. Thank God we're not where we used to be. But can we embrace the process so we can get to where God wants us to be? You have no idea how much he wants to use you. Even if you failed a grade in the past, there's still opportunity for graduation. (laughs) Some of you have dropped out. I'm telling you, get back in. You can still walk the stage. You can still move on. You can still move ahead. Let the test produce what it needs to inside of your life. And here's the last one. This is a big one. You're not alone. You're not alone in this. The temptation is to feel like you're alone in the test. You're not alone. Now, it's been preached across the world, and many well-intentioned people have tried to encourage their friends by saying this phrase. Maybe you've heard it before. They say this. Don't worry Because you know what the Bible says, God won't give you more than you can handle. Okay, look at me, look at me, look at me. That's not true. It's not in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear with, but with every temptation, there will be a door that you can escape through. He never said he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. As a matter of fact, I believe 100% of us in this room and everybody listening online can attest to the fact we have had more than we can handle. We know what it's like to be in over our heads. We know what it's like to be stressed out and overwhelmed. And that's why we have verses like Psalm 55, 22 that says, Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. This is not something we can pass by ourselves. This is not a self-home education. We need God to come in. Every time a test comes, we say, God, I give it to you. It's hot potato, hot potato, hot potato. This is too much for me. I give it back to you. And we have people like David who comes along in Psalms, in Psalms and says this. He says, when my heart is overwhelmed, Even David was overwhelmed at times. When my heart is overwhelmed, and may I add, it is often overwhelmed. 
But when David said, my heart is overwhelmed, he did not say, lead me to a bar. He didn't say, lead me to some drugs to numb the pain of the hour. He said, lead me to the rock that is higher than what I'm going through. Some of you might be in over your heads, but it's not over God's head. Some of you might be in a test right now and you're like, I can't see my way out. It's okay because God can see a way out. Stay put. Learn what you're trying to learn and what God wants to teach you so he can bring you out to victory. Can I hear a good amen, somebody? With all of my heart, I believe God wants to do something in our lives. Today, you need to know you're not alone. You're not alone. Hebrews 13.5 puts it this way. God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. The question is not, will you be overwhelmed? The question is, to whom will you run when you're overwhelmed? Where do you turn when you're stressed out? To whom do you run and pour your soul to when your soul is overwhelmed? God is saying, I'm right here. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I know you may feel alone, but even though you walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear because I'm right here. Standing here as a good shepherd, as a good father, as somebody who loves you with an undying, unconditional love. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to convince you today not to miss the point. And when you walk through something, ask him, what are you trying to teach me, God? Help me to learn fast. And then understand that greater tax can lead to greater character if you pass the test. It's funny because oftentimes we'll look at other people who are where we want to be and we, we desire to be where they are, but we have no desire to go through what they had to go through in order to get where they currently reside. Look around. You're sitting next to some people who've been through some stuff. We didn't just arrive. Some of you had to walk through hell. God is faithful. And in the stillness of this moment, can you please just open up your heart to hear his voice as he says, you're not going through this alone. And I'm right here. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. And what he's working the character out on the inside of you may not make any sense right now but it will at the end. For some of us, I think there won't be resolve completely until we see Jesus face to face in heaven. I don't think we can get all of our answers answered, our questions answered down here. I think there's going to be some of you that walk into heaven and as you see Jesus, you're going to be like, oh, I get it now. Didn't understand the test back then. But it all seems to be making sense now. God's preparing you for something you can't see right now. You're not alone. My daughter Hadassah 
is 18 now, just graduated and so proud of you. Love you with all my heart. You know, sometimes when you, you hug your daughter, your son, and you have a moment, flashbacks of when they were little. You miss that stage. Remember a time, though, where she was behind a locked door. And it was at our cousin's house. Late at night, dark in the room. She can't reach the light switch. She was taking a nap. Well, when she tried to reach up to, to, to open the door, she accidentally locked it, and she couldn't unlock it. Because she's one and a few months. So she's freaking out, crying, screaming. And now I'm, I'm freaking out. As a dad, she's our firstborn child. I mean, if it would have been like the third or fourth, I'd have been like, no, no big deal. But the first child, <laughs> you really freak out. She's shaking. She's crying. She's pounding on the door. She doesn't understand why she can't get out of the door. And it's probably five minutes she's screaming at the top of her lungs. And as a dad, I hated that sound. I'm, baby, I'm trying to talk to her. That wouldn't work. I try to break in. That's not working. And then all of a sudden, I knelt down and I put my fingers under the door. I said, baby, look, look down, look down, look down. She reached down and she grabbed my fingers. And she stopped crying. Listen to me, listen to me. Nothing changed. And yet everything changed. Nothing changed about her external circumstances. She just now knew she wasn't alone. For some of you, you're expecting your external circumstances to totally change. They may change. They may not right now. But what you need to learn greater than the circumstance is that God is with you. He is right here holding your hand, and he will make sure you get to where he's leading you. Amen, everybody. Come on, if you believe, let's give the Lord a hand. It's going to be a great series. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to pray for two groups of people today. Number one, I want to pray for some of you. You feel like, man, your life isn't right with God. I'm really glad that you're here. Some of you almost didn't come because oh, you believe the lie. I got to get some things right before I come to God or I got to, I need to fix some things first. That's a lie. None of us can fix ourselves. That's why we need God. And the best place you could be is right here because he's the one who does the fixing. We simply do the surrendering. We give our life to him. And maybe you're here today and you say, Sean, my life isn't right with God, but I want it to be. I need it to be. I'd like to lead you in a commitment prayer that you could pray right in your seat. I'm not going to have you stand or come to the front. Our heart's not to embarrass anybody. It's to connect you to God. And if you say, Sean, that's me. Uh, I once was close to God, but I've drifted, I've strayed, or I, I've never really given the controls of my life to him. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I want him to forgive my past. I need a fresh start. If that's you on the count of three, could you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Come on, lift it up all over the room. This is me. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. That's awesome. And we clap for you. Like, why are they clapping for me? They're clapping because every hand represents a soul. Jesus passionately loves. And if you're here and you say, that's me, I'd like to lead you in this prayer that we'll all pray with you. Come on, let's all say this to the heart of God. 
Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Today I give my life to you. And I ask you to forgive me from all of my sin. Wash me clean. Give me a fresh start. Would you just place your hand on your heart and just say, take all of my gifts now and use them to reach others with your love. I'm going to pray for another group of people here. You're going through something right now. And as I'm preaching this, you can't actually believe the topic because it's so relevant to your current reality. If you're going through something and you need God to step in and intervene, could you just lift your hand and just say, that's me? Yeah. Whether it's a marriage, it's finance, health, children, depression, whatever it is, in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you come, God, and show yourself strong in every situation that you are the God of the breakthrough. I thank you that in the test, we're going to learn what you're trying to teach us. But God, we ask that you get us there fast. Help us not to be stuck going around the same mountain over and over. And I pray that, Lord, you help us to be mature and complete, lacking nothing, but give us the grace for the journey. Your grace is sufficient. That's what Paul said. Your grace is sufficient, Lord. We need to see your grace. We need your help. And I pray for resolution. I pray for restoration. I pray for refinement. And I ask that, God, you do a work inside of every life, every believer, so much so that we begin to hear story after story of people saying, God brought me through it. I was stuck. I was sick. I was dead. I was lost, empty. Marriage was over. But, Lord, you stepped in, and now everything has changed. God, we ask for miracles, signs, and wonders to come into our life and into our church. I pray even in the summertime, but we're not cruising, but we're believing you for greater grace and greater growth in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say good amen. amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for all those who prayed that commitment prayer to the Lord today.